Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. Good to see you. You sound awake today. You're back on coffee, aren't you? <laughs> Man, was this a tough week or what? Like, what a bunch of wimps we are. Man, I was like one of the pastors on staff. He's like, man, I didn't realize how wimpy I was. And I go without, you know, just do other beverages for a week. No big deal. He says, I was about ready to kill somebody. And uh, so uh, it was awesome. One, one guy told us, uh, yeah, I gave up everything except my coffee. You know, I just couldn't do the coffee thing. It was just too tough. And, well, how much coffee do you drink? Well, about a pot a day. <laughs> it's just like just drinking all day, you know. <laughs> so, but uh, good to see you. Uh, before we go into our time of teaching, just a couple things. Uh, uh, most important, I, I want to call your attention in your program um, that, that we're starting this new uh, essential, and, and we talked about it last week, but if you weren't here, uh, it's uh, our fifth essential in our, in our growth track. You know, part of our core growth track here as we unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers is our essentials courses. There's like eight to ten courses we're creating that we believe are absolutely essential material uh, for, for you to know to walk well with, with Christ. And so we've, com- we've already created four of those in the last year. This is number five, all right? And so this one is on finances because we believe that as Christ followers, one of the most important areas uh, for us to get kind of uh, under, uh, under, under our belt is this area of, of handling our finances well. And it has the ability to kind of make you or kind of break you in, in your spiritual life, your relationships, and so on. And so uh, we're starting that uh, later on in September. You can read about that. The thing I want to call your attention to is that we're giving a preview of what we're going to be doing on that this Tuesday night. It's 7 o'clock here right in the auditorium. So if you're on, if kind of wavering, you're not really sure, you want to see what this is about, you can come out. It's just in, just an hour. We'll tell you all about the course, give you a, a sampling of what that's going to be like. Uh, you can also go online and check that. But be sure to sign up early because uh, the, uh, we've got early bird rates, and then the rates jump up, and then they actually stop the week of September the 12th. And that's because uh, unlike our other essentials that we've created all from within here, we're actually using some curriculum from someone else that we have to, to ship and get ahead of time. And so that's why the early uh, the date. And so uh, don't wait like you normally do uh, to the last weekend. It's so funny. Our essential is what we'll typically have, what, 200, 300 people. And, and the last weekend, we'll have like 100, 150 sign up. And so I'm kind of giving you a heads up on that. You've got to sign up early. And that early bird rate lasts till next Sunday through the day. And so be sure you don't miss that, okay? So I'm excited about that. I've, I've gone through this program, really very excited, making some changes in my own life in the area of finances. Uh, and, and I think of myself as pretty, pretty uh, kind of uh, familiar with this kind of stuff, taught it before and so on, but it was just great material. So uh, I encourage you to join me for that. I'll be hosting that course, all right? So uh, today we're going to go into our, our uh, time of teaching now. If you're, you're brand new, a special welcome. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. And uh, inside your program is a white message note sheet that we use every week to help us kind of uh, as, during our time of teaching. So I encourage you to take that out. And then uh, I'm, I'm going to pray and we're going to jump in. Y'all ready to go? Yeah. All right, let's, let's pray. God, we're just uh, excited to be here. We're so thankful for your son and, and what he's done for us and his death and his resurrection that opens the door for us to live a whole new life, not only this life but the next life. And we're excited about him. We want to follow him. We want to become like him. And so, so here we are today, God, to be taught by you. And so we, we pray that as we, we look in your word, as we open it up, um, that you would speak to us and you'd create a whole new paradigm of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, our, our story starts today. It's a Thursday night. And it's been, it's been a crazy week. Um, 
The week started on a Sunday when, when he and his men uh, kind of rode into town, and he rode into town, and uh, to, to the praise of the crowds. I mean, they were flocking out to meet him. It was like, like the reception you give a rock star or something. I mean, it was like they're, they're bringing their, their clothes out. They're throwing them, kind of creating a red, a red carpet for him. They're, they're, they're waving the palm branches, which was a sign of kingship. They're, they're honoring him as, as the coming king. And, and so they're going crazy. But, but that segues into the week of, of conflict with the religious leaders, and now it's Thursday night. They've been, they've been looking all week for a way to trap him, to, to a way to arrest him. And so this is the night it's going to happen. And so he knows by the end of the night, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be taken into custody. And, and so he, he needs to prepare his men for him. He's having this, his last meal with them. He needs to tell them what's coming. And, and one of the hardest things he's got to tell them is that, that one of them is a traitor. That, that one of them that they've laughed with, they've cried with, they, they've ministered together, they've taught together, they've healed the sick, that, that one of them is, is a traitor and is going to betray not only him but betray them all. And, and so during dinner, he, he launches in, he shares the news. It's very hard for him to share. It's hard for them to hear. They can't even imagine this, can't even picture this. They're so confused, they're so befuddled, they have no idea which of them it could be. They're just in shock. They're so much in shock, they're asking, could it be me? I mean, that's how confused they are. And, and, and he holds his cards close to his chest. He doesn't tell him at this point who the traitor is because, because he doesn't want to derail the plan. He probably knows that, that if they knew who the traitor was, they'd just beat him to a pulp. And so, so he doesn't tell him who it is, but it's, it's later in the evening now. And, and he looks across the table and he, and he looks, he locks eyes with the traitor. And he says to him, uh, whatever it is you need to do, it's, it's time. Go and do it, do it now. And so he gets up and he starts to leave. Of course, no one else at the table knows why he's going or, or what he's being. All, all they know is, is this man he's spoken to is the treasurer of the group. He holds the group checkbook. And, and so they assume that he's being sent out on an errand. And, and it won't be until later that they're able to come back and compare notes what was going through their mind that night when Jesus sent him out. Well, today we're, uh, we're continuing this series that we've been in now for about the last month and a half, and it's a series on generosity. If, you, if you're brand new, I want to welcome you. And, and today we're actually kind of continuing this. Last week we started the second half of this series, and, and, and the second half of this series we're really focusing on generosity to the poor. Now, one of the things I shared with you last week is if we're going to grow into a church of passionate Christ followers, if, if we're going to be people who are passionate Christ followers, the chances are that when it comes to kind of generosity of the poor, we're going to need a whole new paradigm of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We're going to have a whole new picture in our mind. Um, uh, last week I shared uh, a little bit about my own journey in this, this area, that, uh, that I grew up in a Christian home. I, I went to a solid Bible-believing church, but we never really uh, had any teaching on, on generosity of the poor. It was just Something never, never really came up. We, we had teaching about kind of percentage giving, the tithe. We had teaching about giving uh, generously through projects. But we never had any teaching about giving to the poor. And so as I was growing up uh, as a Christian, if you were to ask me, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Like, let's say you are a non-believer. So, what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? Like, what, what does that mean? Uh, I, I would have probably said, well, uh, you know, it's someone who, who really loves God, someone who believes in Jesus, believes in his death and resurrection, uh, for our forgiveness of our sins. Uh, it's someone who, who believes in the Bible. The Bible is the word of God that, that we follow it. It's someone who believes in the importance of fellowship. It's why we go to church. It's, it's someone who believes in, in serving 
And that's why we serve here. It's someone who believes in, in giving. I probably would have talked about the tithe or whatever like that. But one of the things I, I never would have talked to him about is generosity to the poor. It just, it just wasn't part of our paradigm in our church. It wasn't, wasn't part of the, of the story of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. And yet, the interesting thing is, as you go through the Bible, you see that it's always been God, part of God's paradigm. That, that the Old Testament, New Testament, life of early church, the story of Jesus, I mean, it's always been there. And so, so what we're doing in these, these couple of weeks is last week, we, we took some time to kind of see God's vision for his people since the very beginning in the Old Testament, what it, what it says about this with the nation of Israel. Today, we're going to unpack the life and teaching of Jesus and see so what can we learn about this from the paradigm from him. And then our last message in the series, we'll talk about uh, kind of the, the, uh, the, the life of the early church and the rest of the New Testament, what it teaches on the series. So, so basically, we're doing a Bible study, right? We're doing a Bible study as a church these, these three weeks. Is this part of the series. We're doing a Bible study just, just to see, to recapture this paradigm that we've lost as a movement of Jesus uh, of what it means to love the poor, okay? So, so here's what we're going to do today. Here on your note sheet, there's a section... It's called Jesus and the Poor. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to spend most of our time today just studying uh, kind of the life and, and teaching and the model of Jesus in this area, like we did last week in the Old Testament. And then at the end, if you're, if you're up to it, I've got another challenge for you, all right? So, so we'll, come, we'll talk about that at, at the end. All right, so the uh, first passage you want to start with today is in Matthew chapter 6. So I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn there. Uh, Matthew 6, a very famous passage. It's, it's part of the most famous sermon given in the history of the world. In fact, about three years ago here at Rocky Peak, we did a whole series, a long series, as most of our series are, a long series on, on this passage, and we called it The Message and the Movement. The, the sermon is called The Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon that Jesus delivered early in his ministry, the most famous sermon, like I said, in the history of the world. It covers Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in this sermon, he kind of lays out the message of his movement, like what he was about, what it means to be his follower. And so we're breaking into the middle of that, that sermon. We're picking up at chapter 6. Now, here, here's, where we're, here's where we're coming in. Jesus is going to be talking about what does it look like to be his follower, and he's going to be assuming that as his followers, there's certain practices, there's certain lifestyle issues, there's certain habits, there's certain activities that, that his followers do. And so he's going to give some examples like, like giving to the poor. He's going to talk about prayer. He's going to talk about fasting. He's kind of assuming that as Christ will be doing this, his main point is, is that as, as you're men and women, that you're pursuing God in your life. It's really important that you pursue God. You not only do the right things, but you do them for the right reasons, that, that motives matter. That, that when we're pursuing God, that we don't fall into that religious trap of trying to do the right thing just to impress other people. That if we do the right thing to impress other people, other people will be impressed, but God will not be. Okay, so that's, that's the main point. And then he gives three examples of this general principle in terms of giving the poor and prayer and fasting. Hey, you with me? You can kind of, follow in the lay of the land. Now, so let's jump in. Matthew 6 and verse 1. So the first verse, he lays out the principle. He says, be careful. Remember, he's talking to his followers. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness. So he assumes that as followers, we will do certain acts of righteousness, certain practices, certain habits in our life, certain pursuits. But he says, be careful not to do these acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Because if you do, you'll have no reward with your Father in heaven. So that's the general principle. Do the right thing, but, but don't do it 
in order to impress people. Live your life, as we like to say here, for the audience of one. Okay? All right. Now, now he's going to give the three examples. So verse 2, he says, so, for example, when you give to the needy, uh, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues uh, and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they've received the reward in full. So apparently, the religious leaders of that day, when they would make a gift to the poor, they'd make a big deal of it. Now, whether Jesus is exaggerating with this whole trumpet thing or like he's just kind of making a point or, or what, but you follow what he's saying, they, they would make a big deal about it. You know, you, you know, in some places, unless you have a plaque, you know, this church donated by, you know, no one's going to give, right? This seat giving by. It's, it's that kind of idea. Jesus, don't do it like that. When you give, uh, give to the poor just because it's, it's the right thing to do, because you love God, you love people. Don't do it to impress people, right? Then he gives a second example in verse 5. An example is prayer. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the street corners to be seen by men. So he says, when you pray, don't be trying to impress others. Just be speaking to God, right? And then in verse 16, we have the third example. Verse 16, and when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do uh, as they're going without beverages for a week. Uh, for, they, for they disfigure their faces and tell you their woes about Starbucks uh, to show men that they are fasting. But I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full, okay? So, so you, get the, you, get the, you get the idea. Jesus says, hey, as my followers, you need to do, be doing the right thing in life. You need to be pursuing me, but, but you need to do it for the right reasons. Don't do it to impress people. Do it to impress God. Do it to please God, okay? The interesting thing about this passage, though, to me, is that Jesus assumes that his followers will be doing what he calls acts of righteousness, that, that we'll be doing the right thing in life, that we'll be pursuing God, that we'll be doing the right thing. And so he assumes we'll be doing certain things. And one of the things that he assumes that we will be doing is, is what? First one, giving to the poor. In fact, look at verse two. Look at, look at how it's laid out. He doesn't say, so if you give to the needy, what's he say? He says, when you give to the needy. So, you say, so, so let me catch, I want you, I want you to follow this. The, the world that Jesus stepped into, the Jewish world, this was part of their paradigm. In fact, scholars tell us that three of the marks of a godly person in the time of Jesus, kind of the, the general consensus, part of their paradigm of what it meant to be a godly person was giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. All right? And so Jesus picks up these three things. He affirms them, yes, these are good things to do, but be sure you do them for the right reason. And so, so Jesus is, is standing in this tradition coming from the Old Testament, this tradition we looked at last week that we saw with Job and the, and the law of Israel and the prophets and the Proverbs. Jesus is standing knee-deep in that stream of, of scriptural truth, and, and he's assuming that his followers will give to the poor. Here's what I want you to catch. At the time of Jesus, it was part of the paradigm that people who pursue God love the poor. Okay, and so, so Jesus is not so much teaching that, he's assuming it, right? Now, like I've said, like I've said at the beginning, this is something that, that in our day and age that I think we often don't assume. We, we've lost this as part of our paradigm. And, and I, I remember this really struck me about 10, 12 years ago, I, I was reading a, a theological commentary by, uh, by John Grisham. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Uh, any John Grisham fans here? It's safe to, safe to, yeah, okay, great. He's one of my favorite authors, and uh, I often do my studies there preparing for messages. And uh, so about, about 12 years ago, I was, I was reading one of his, his most recent, uh, his, his recent kind of, you know, whenever they come out, I'm, I'm there, I'm getting them, and, unless it's, as long as it's a legal thriller. You know, his legal thrillers, I'm all over those. He does the general interest thing, Christmas stories, you know, baseball, like whatever. You know, it's like not very good. Stick to what you're good at. But anyway, uh, but if it's a legal thriller, like I'm all over that. And so, so I get this book, and it's called The Street Lawyer. And I'm, and I'm not going to blow the whole plot for you, okay? But, but I'm going to tell you a little bit how it starts. So the story starts with the bank. And, and so, so remember, it's like 12 years ago, and topic is the poor, right? So it starts off, story starts off. Is, is there's this homeless man. He's a big guy. It's set in Washington, D.C. It's in the middle of winter. Snow's out. And so this guy, he's got this huge trench coat on. He's got the big army boots on. Kind of His clothes are ragged. He smells. He hasn't had a shower in weeks. And he heads into this, this beautiful, fancy, high-rise uh, a building that houses one of the largest law firms in Washington, D.C. They have 800 attorneys. And so it's just it's glitzed out. I mean, it's a beautiful place. He gets on the elevator and he starts writing it up. And of course, everyone's looking at him. Uh, he smells. He, doesn't, he says he doesn't belong here. And when he gets off the elevator, he, he walks out on the floor and he pulls out from his jacket a gun and he begins, begins shooting the place up. And so people are diving for cover. It's chaotic. You can imagine this. Uh, people are screaming, running. He eventually takes eight hostages into this beautiful conference room. And he takes him in these eight attorneys. He lines them up. He hands one of them a, 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 some rope. He has them tie up the eight attorneys. After he does that, he opens up his coat. Strapped to his chest are 12 sticks of, of the red dynamite. He's threatening to blow the place up. And he begins asking them questions. And, of course, they don't know, like, why, what are you asking these questions for? But when he gets to the end of his questions, one of his questions, he starts asking about the poor. And one of his questions is how much these eight attorneys gave to the poor personally in their own lives the previous year. And, of course, they don't know, and they're nervous, and they're trying to make it sound as good as they can. And so they start talking about their giving to the alma mater and, and giving to their uh, other charities and art charities and museums. And he's like, no, 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 I want to know how how much do you give to the poor? Well, we can't remember. He says, well, we're not going anywhere until we get your tax returns. So they got to make a call out. And the call out goes down to the second floor of the building where the tax department is. And they got to send all these things in. You know? And so they send in these reports and they line them up there. And this is going on. It's kind of taking hours. But finally they figure it out that these, these eight attorneys together had made a combined salary of $3 million the previous year. And as they opened up their tax returns, what they discovered is that not one of them ha- had given one cent to the poor. They, like, they're not giving any money to the poor, not, not to any organization that, to the poor. So, 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 so now the guy's not real happy. The guy with the dynamite is not real happy. Um, and, and so I'm not going to tell you what happens. You're going to have to, all right. Very explosive read, though, I'll tell you that. So, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's dynamite, it's dynamite. I'm telling you, you've got to read it. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so, so here, here's the point. So I'm reading this book right now. I'm a Christ follower, right? Like, I, I've given my life to Jesus, and about, what, 19 years old. About 19 years old, uh, I said, whatever you want, uh, you take hold of my life. And ever since then, he's taken hold of my life in a powerful way. And so 
all I have, uh, all I have is yours. And so early we're, we're married. Uh, Lynn and I got married when I was 14. No, it wasn't that early, but we, we, we got married young, and so we're young marrieds, right? And, and we are poor. We're like dirt poor, but, but we are passionate Christ followers in Jesus. Whatever you want from our life, you tell us we'll give. You know, you want 10%, you want 20%, you want no percent. What do you want? And so we, we prayed about that, and, and we felt like God said very clearly to us that he wanted us to honor that, that, that kind of uh, age-old tradition, start with Abraham of the tithe of 10% of your income. And so from the time we were young and dirt poor, we said, okay, that's what we'll start. And then in the years to come, he began to call us to what we call project giving. And so we began to support certain people or organizations on top of that, that percentage giving. And so are you with me in this? We're passionate Christ followers, follow Jesus a long time. We, we, uh, what is ours is his. We're, we're willing to follow him in that. We've given ourselves first to the Lord and then to him. And so that's our life, all right? And so now I'm reading this book only, what, 10, 12 years ago. And, and I'm reading this book, and man, it, it's, it's a tough read for me. Because I'm thinking, what if I was one of those attorneys? What would my tax return look like? And it would show generous giving to percentage giving and to project giving, but it would not show much in terms of giving to the poor. Are are you with me in this? And, And so how is this? How is it that the church of Jesus, we've missed this, right? Like how how has this how has this slipped from our paradigm? And this is what I'm suggesting, that for some reason, at this time, in this age, over my life, that most Bible-believing churches, that this is not part of our paradigm of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And yet the interesting thing is, is that if you look throughout church history, there have been times when this is part of their paradigm. It's like there are times, you look at the life in the early church, part of their paradigm. Uh, during the time the Reformation became more part of the paradigm. The, the, the Wesleyan movement, the Methodist movement with John Wesley, very much a part of their paradigm. That there have been times in, in the history of the church of Jesus where the Holy Spirit has stirred up the church and said this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And one of the things it means is you love those who are hurting. You see? And you love them in practical ways. And so, so what we see in the teaching of Jesus uh, to, here in Matthew 6 is that he assumes that this is part of the life of a Christ follower. Now, so, so what I want to do is spend a little bit more time then. Let's, let's just walk through some more Jesus passages. Let's, let's put on these, these new glasses that we have, the kind of paradigm of the poor glasses, and let's, let's see some of the teaching of Jesus. Now, as you walk through the life and teaching of Jesus, what you'll see is, is that there's several different kinds of teachings. Some of it's very extreme, all right? So we're going to start with the extreme teaching, and then we're going to kind of, uh, kind of go down to less and less extreme just to kind of normative teaching, all right? So let's start with the extreme. Uh, famous story. You've uh, uh, probably, many of you have probably heard it before, but, but a very uh, wealthy young leader comes to Jesus. He, he's a leader in the community. The story is told in Mark 10 if you want to check it out later. But he comes to Jesus and he says, uh, I want eternal life. What do I need to do to have eternal life? That's the question. And so Jesus has a conversation with him. And at the end of this story, what he says to him is, okay, here's what you need to do. He says, you need to, to go and sell everything you have. Now, now he's a wealthy guy, okay? So got mutual funds, uh, real estate holdings, uh, homes, uh, you know, 401k, whatever you got, you know, sell it all. And then he says, and I want you to give it to the poor. Now, does that strike you as a lot? Like, honestly, I can't even imagine this. I, I was thinking about it again today. 
this morning in the shower. I was thinking about this. I was like, can, can, I can imagine someone comes to me, Mike, I'd like to have eternal life. Great. How much do you own? And what's your net worth? Okay, I'd like you to sell it all, like give it to the poor, and then you can start coming to church. What, like, can you imagine that? It's like, like we, we quickly dismiss this story because we go, well, that doesn't really apply to us because it's just this, that was the one thing that was this guy's idol, and, and so then he had to give it all. And, and I get that. I get that. As we'll see today, he doesn't ask us all to do that, does he? So we'll see that. But the fact that he would ask anyone to do that is amazing to me. You remember how that story goes is the man turns away and he walked away sorrowful. He left Jesus. He didn't follow Jesus, right? So, so that's where we start the discussion, all right? Let, let's move down the scale now. Next story, this one's not on your note sheet. You might want to write it in, Luke 19. This story is a story of a very wealthy businessman in the time of Christ. He's not interested in God. He's not interested in, in uh, uh, people. He's really just interested in making a lot of money. He's a very secular type guy, even though he's Jewish. And, and so uh, Jesus is coming to his town. God begins to stir in his heart. Uh, Jesus meets him, goes to his house for dinner. And, and so this guy, who's is a very wealthy man, he made his money collecting taxes. Uh, he's a regional area tax uh, collector and a, a leader of leaders in that field. So he made a ton of money, probably a lot of it illegally or, or kind of, you know, uh, not, not the right way. But, but so he's hearing Jesus teaching, and he decides he's going to pursue God in his life. And so here's what he says. Interesting what he says. He says to Jesus, okay, today uh, I, I, I'm going to give immediately half of what I own to the poor. Now, how did he know to do that? You see, you see what I'm saying? This was part of their paradigm. The people who pursue God give to the poor. And, and so his first thought, if I'm repenting, I need to give to the poor. You see? And, and it's interesting what Jesus says because Jesus comments, he says, Today, salvation has come to this house. This man just got saved. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. Okay. Now, let's move down this scale and let's talk to Jesus' general teaching to his followers. Let's be to his followers, right? And this is the kind of teaching you'd see on the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, some of the teaching in this passage is repeated in the Sermon on the Mount. The passage is in Luke chapter 12, and it's there on your note sheet. Let me set it up. This is a passage where Jesus is talking a lot about money. And one of the things he's telling his followers, he says, hey, you have a father in heaven now. And, and so you don't need to be worried about your finances. Like he knows what you need. He'll, he'll provide for you. So the birds of the air, he takes care of them. The flowers of the field, he clothes them. Uh, the pagans who don't know God, they worry about their finances. But that's really not necessary for you. You've got a father. Okay, that's the, that's the context. The very next thing he says, don't worry about your money, okay? Very next thing he says, there on your note sheet, in uh, Luke chapter 12. He says, do not be afraid, little flock. In other words, don't worry about your money because your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. You, you know, you're Christ followers now. You've, you've come to Jesus. You've been forgiven. You have a future. You're one of God's kids. There's no need to worry. He's already given you the kingdom. If he's given you the kingdom, he'll take care of your finances, okay? And then he says, uh, so sell your possessions and give to the what? The poor. Now, I want you to catch this. This is general Jesus teaching to his followers, okay? This, this is not the rich young ruler 
This is not Zacchaeus. It's just general teaching to his followers. Hey, God loves you. God's going to take care of you. So trust you. So, so I'd like you to downsize. I'd like you to downsize. I'd like you to sell some of your possessions like you give to the poor. Now, he doesn't tell them to sell all their possessions. In fact, we, we don't see that as a normal thing. But what we do see as normal is he says, sell your possessions. As my followers, I want you to live at a lower standard of living than you could afford so, so that you can give to the poor. It's part of the paradigm. And he says, and then, uh, so provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. So Jesus was okay with, with men purses, I guess. But uh, I'm not, but Jesus was. But uh, yeah, 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 Neil Johnson is, but that's a different issue. Uh, so provide purses for yourselves, or, or wallets, I think would be a contemporary, uh, uh, that, that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Jesus is always teaching that when we give to the poor, we're making a financial investment in our long-term future. This, is, this has really struck me recently. That, that in my life, I've tended to look at it as least like, you've got your current financial situation, and then you've got retirement to, look for, you know, to, to, to think of, right? And recently, we've added a new category. It's like the real retirement, right? Right. So you got, you got this life, kind of your working years, and then you got your retirement years, however long that is, 10, 15, 20, 30, however long that is. And then you've got real life. And Jesus says, I want you to be investing now in real life for your future. So provide pr- person for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys and no economy goes bad. And no 403B's tank. For, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be. And so Jesus teaches us again. He teaches many times his ministry that our, that our hearts follow our treasure. And the more we invest our treasure in the next life, the more our heart is drawn towards that and drawn towards the things God cares about. The more we invest in this life, the more our heart gets situated in this life. Okay? And so this is a general teaching for his followers. Okay, so you see what I'm saying here? We got extreme teaching for one person, the rich young ruler. Some of God, some of you may God may call you to that. You have this, the middle of the road teaching, give half of it away, and then you've got general teaching that for all of his followers that we give the poor. Now, interesting thing: this was one of Jesus' criticisms of the spiritual leaders of his day that they didn't have this paradigm. They were all concerned about their image and looking very spiritual on the outside, but they weren't really concerned about pursuing God with their heart. And one of the ways it showed up was a lack of concern for the poor. So in the next passage, in Luke 11, Jesus says, uh, you Pharisees, uh, they're some of the spiritual leaders of his day, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish so you're all into your image, but inside, like in your heart, you're full of what? Greed, okay? Greed and wickedness. And so you foolish people, Give what's inside the dish to the, the poor, and everything will be clean. So you catching on this? This is part of Jesus' paradigm that, of what it means to be one who pursues him, that we would love the poor. Now, catch this. We'll talk about this more next week. The poor are not the lazy or the irresponsible. Right? That, that's not poor. Poor in the biblical sense are those who, through no fault of their own, do not have the ability to make money to support themselves. Okay, and we'll talk more about that next week. But, for, but from, from Jesus' worldview, if you love God and you love people, of course you're going to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. Like, how could you not? You see? 
Now, it's interesting because Jesus not only teaches us, he models us. And, and one of the most fascinating statements about Jesus, just a very little statement, you could almost miss it, but it's powerful, and it's in John chapter 13. So I'd like you to turn there. John chapter 13 is a story that we started the day with. It's his last night with his men. It's Thursday night. He's going to be arrested and taken to custody. He's got to tell his men that not only is he leaving, uh, but, but that one of them is the traitor. And so he's already told them that one of them is a the traitor. They're blown away. And, and so now later in the, in, the, in the evening, they don't know who it is yet. He, he looks across the table at the traitor, at, at Judas, and he locks eyes with them. And he says, hey, whatever you have to do, go and do it. And so they don't, they don't really know what he's talking about. And later on, they compared notes about what was going through their mind at that time. What they did know is that he was the treasure. He held the checkbook, so they assumed it had something to do with money, all right? So in verse uh, 27, we'll, we'll pick it up in the middle of the, uh, middle of the passage. He says, um, he, he says to Judas, what you're about to do, do quickly, and so Jesus told him. So no one at the meal understood what, why Jesus had said this to him. They didn't really know what he was talking about. But, but since Judas had charge of the money, he was the treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast. Okay, so, so this makes sense. Uh, the feast of Passover is just started. They've said the Passover meal. It's followed by the seven-day feast of unleavened bread. And so some assume that, that he needs to buy some supplies, some, some food supplies for the week. You know? So that what Jesus is doing, he's kind of sending them out to Costco. He's like, he's like, hey, you know, uh, make Costco run. We're going to get a week here. We need to, you know, before all this is sell out. There's a lot of people, visitors in town, a lot of tourists. So, so go out and hit Costco, get what we need. That's what some of them are assuming. Okay, but, but it says, but there's some of them are assuming something else. He says, or to give something to the poor. Okay? Now, it's almost, it's just kind of almost a throwaway line. You could almost miss this. But I think it's hugely important. Uh, you picture this. They're at a dinner. It's a, it's a crisis night. Uh, he's told them he's leaving. He's told them one of them is a traitor. Later on, he, he, he looks across the treasure and says, hey, that thing we talked about, could you, you, know, could you, could you head on up? Could you, could, you, could you go take care of that? He gets up, takes out, and, and they don't know what he's talking about, but they assume one of two things. They assume that he's either making a Costco run or they assume he's what? Giving to the poor. Now, does that strike you as odd? I, like, like, why would they assume that? Like, like, let me give you an example. This week, uh, our pastors and directors, about 15, 15 of us, something like that, we're going over to the Simi Town Center, uh, to the community center room, and we're going to spend a day or two calendaring out, kind of planning out the next year, all right? So it's kind of a big project. Now, let's, so let's imagine I'm there, and Brenda Campbell is there. Right? Brenda Campbell is one of our directors. She's our director of finance. Now, I'm not saying she's a traitor. But uh, <laughs> so Brenda's there. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I look across the table and I say to Brenda, hey, Brenda, hey, that thing we talked about, could you go do that? And she says, cool, good, great. She gets up, she leaves. Now, I could almost guarantee you that many people on staff would assume that she's going to buy some kind of supplies because she's the director of finance. I almost, you almost promise that. I can guarantee you that not one person in the room would think, oh, she's going to make a gift to the Salvation Army. <laughs> Are you with me this? Like, why? Well, because that's not something we normally do. It's not part of our paradigm. 
right? But here's what I want you to catch. When Jesus, just the offhanded statement, hey, why don't you uh, go do what you need to do? They're like, oh, he's either going to Costco or he's going to go to the poor. Does that strike you? Are you catching what I'm saying here? This was so much a part of their paradigm of giving to the poor that when he sends out Judas to, to, with, with the money, it's like one of the things that goes through their mind. This is, a, this is powerful, okay? And so this is what I want you to catch, that, that as we go through the teaching of the Bible, this is what we're going to see, that, that we saw it last week in, in the teaching of the Old Testament. We saw it in the life of Job. We saw it in the laws of Israel. We saw it in the book of Proverbs. We saw it in the prophets, that one of the marks of a person who pursues God is, is generosity of the poor. This week, we see Jesus stands kind of knee-deep in that tradition and adds to it and says this is part of what it means. And so, so my, my goal in this series, this, this kind of the second half of the series, is simply to begin to create a new paradigm for us, that we begin to expand our mind. What does it mean to, to be a Christ? What does it mean to, to work for a living? And what does it mean to work so that one of the things that we can do, one of the reasons we work is to help those who can't work? Like, what, what, what if that were to become part of our, our paradigm, you see, as, as Christ? I think that's a biblical paradigm. So next week, we're going to continue that. We're going to continue this journey. Last week, Old Testament. This week, and here, next time we're together uh, on, on this uh, series, next we'll be focusing then on, on the uh, teaching of the New Testament. We're going to watch this. Okay, when the Holy Spirit comes into the life of the early church, how does he begin to mentor them of what does it mean to be a follower through, through, through the New Testament, all right? Now, Today though, uh, today though, I want to talk about our next challenge. Remember, remember every, every week I said I was going to give you a challenge. If you weren't here last week, let me give you just a little bit of, of the background of this. Uh, uh, we talked last week about when God wants to grow us in our life and change us, that, that often he asks us to take a step of faith, a step of obedience, a step of risk, a step of sacrifice, whatever. Step of, and, and, and often it can be, from time to time, it can be a really big step, right? So so he, you, you probably, as Christ followers, you've experienced this before, that, that maybe you are a new Christian and, and you are dating someone who is a non-believer and, and God made it clear to you that this was not his plan and so that was hard for you to follow in that. Or, or maybe there's some, uh, uh, some point in your, your, your spiritual life, there's some sort of spiritual kind of habit or something, some kind of sin, and God said, hey, to move, and, and it felt like cutting off your right arm. It just felt like if, if to give this up is a big deal. And so sometimes... And in, in following Jesus, he asks us to take a huge step that costs us a lot. What well, we've seen that today, the rich young ruler, Zacchaeus, okay? But there's other times in our life, that, and I think this is more normal, that, that there's other times when he asks us to grow, he just says, here's the next area of growth, and I just want you to take this small step in the right direction. And as we take that step, our heart begins to change a little bit, and we take the next step, and then it changes a little bit more, and we just kind of follow him, and, and we were changed, we're transformed, right? So in this series, what I want to do is every week I'm teaching, I, I want to give you a, a small step in the right direction. And, and so, so, uh, so I, I want to do that today. Now, i got to tell you that last week I was so kind of blown away by your response to the first challenge. I honestly did not know how you would respond, uh, of, of me, of little faith. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, we had to decide how many of these uh, blue water bands to get. And uh, I didn't want to get too many. And so, uh, so I, I talked around some people, and I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure out how many people we normally have at a weekend service in the summer. 
I'm going to get 80% of, the, 80% of that number. That should be enough because I know not everyone's going to do this, this thing. And so, uh, but that should be plenty. You know, we, we ran out of those bands. The 11 o'clock, like partway through the service, we ran out of bands. And so you probably got a band if you wanted one because you're at the 9 o'clock service, people. But if you're a transplant today and you normally are at the 11 o'clock, my apologies. It was, uh, should have had enough bands for you. And so, and it was just so cool to hear the stories come in this week. I, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, just so many stories. One of my, uh, just made two or three of my favorites. Uh, one of the guys was in the service last week. He's talking to a, a friend of his, and uh, they're both uh, retired cops. And he's talking to this retired cop, and they're, they're talking football, you know, because it's football season, right? It's, it's God's time of the year. And uh, <laughs> it, it's so, uh, it's football season starting, and so they're talking football, and, and this guy doesn't go to Rocky Peak. This, this guy he's talking to doesn't go to Rocky Peak. In fact, I, I'm not sure he's even a Christ follower yet at this point in his life. But they're talking, and somehow the conversation switches to church, and he's sharing with them what we learned about the water crisis in the world and how many kids die every day because of a lack of clean water. And this guy who doesn't even go to Rocky Peak, he's so impressed. He's like, man, I want to give to that. And, and so, so he sent him a check this week for $200. I, I just want to give to that. I just want to be a part of that. Isn't that awesome? See, I think it's part of the thing that happens. Yeah, when we're, when we're out there and, and we're, we're loving people, there's something that draws people to that. Like, I want to be a part of a movement like that. And, and I honestly, I think in our day and age, if we're going to unleash a movement, I think this is a big part of it. That the world's got to see that we're not about talk. We're about action. We're about loving people, you know? And, and so, um, so anyway, that was, that was one story. Another story, this was in the other end. You know, last week, and by the way, I apologize. I, last week I told you that our kids were getting the same propaganda you were. And uh, actually it was just, what I meant by that was just our, our, our uh, like children's ministry. Uh, our youth ministries weren't uh, participating. In fact, they, I guess they were planning out there was some miscommunication. But if you had a, a junior high or a high school and you went home, you're all excited. I apologize for that. That was uh, kind of uh, dropped the ball on that. This week they are participating, by the way. But, uh, yeah, we got that one solved. But, uh, but anyway, um, so uh, anyway, so one of the little kids last week, first grader, uh, it comes time for Monday morning, and he's going to have his, his milk for breakfast. His mom gets his milk, and he says, Mom, would it be okay if this week I just I don't do my milk because I, I really want to do this, this thing. I just want to have water. You know, because she's like, okay, that's, I think for one week you'll be okay. So, so then uh, th- later in the week, they're going out to CPK. And, and this, this kid was like student of the year or student of the month or student of the hour or something like that. And so, um, <laughs> uh, we need that self-esteem in our kids, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well, what an amazing failure. You're amazing. Um, <laughs> What a crazy culture we live in. What a crazy culture. And so, like, you're student of the minute, and uh, here's your uh, thing at CPK. But uh, so they have, this, they have this cool thing, you know, it's student of the month or whatever. You get this kind of CPK thing. And you go to CPK, and, and then if, you, if, you, uh, if your family buys dinner there, that you get a free drink. That's, that's this awesome deal for CPK. You buy, wow, you buy, you know, dinners for the whole family, and you get one ninety nine cent kid's drink free. But anyway, um, so it's, but, but he's being tested. He's being tested there. So the parents are sitting here, do you want your drink? You know how this kid's a big deal. And this little first grader says, no. Uh, he says, you know, I, I made a commitment to Jesus. And, and so I'm just going to be drinking water all week. Um, 
We, we had another one. This had one of our pastors on staff. I won't tell you which one. But he's, they're out, and this little boy, and, uh, and, and it's this, they're out with uh, some friends, and they're like, hey, well, what, what would you like to drink? And he looks at him. Water? Uh, <laughs> but uh, one of my favorites, I, I got a letter from a, a lady, I emailed this week, and I just want to share it. It was just a beautiful thing. I, it's just, and it's just like God's movement, you know, and I just want to share this. It was on Monday, and she said, uh, hey, my couple of thoughts. Uh, I just went from my home office to the kitchen. I treated myself to an ice cold glass of water straight from the fridge. Now, in the past, I didn't think much about it. No luck, not a luxury. It's everyday life. I do it several times a day. Not a long walk. In fact, I can't even count it as my exercise for the day. But today was different. I nearly cried at the ease with which I helped myself a glass of refreshing, relatively wholesome, fresh water and was reminded at that very moment of women all over the world walking great distances for a jar of putrid water that most likely will carry disease right back to the ones that she loves. I'm almost in tears as I write this. What a shame. What a sad state of affairs. There are many reasons for the existence of these conditions. Much of the reason for such poverty lays at the hands of corruption in high places. There are plenty of resources in the world to make sure that everyone has access to clean water and food to satisfy their hunger. It seems like the, the uh, degradation of man's soul knows no limit. For your information, I usually order water when I'm out. Occasionally, I drop by Starbucks. So, so Saturday evening, I dropped an initial $40 in the, ju- in the lobby jug so that 40 folks can enjoy clean water for at least a year. Remember, that was our clean, that was our statistic. One dollar, one person, fresh water for a year. I really, uh, you know that I live in a very modest home. It's nothing fancy. It's just my home. But I do have a pool, and today I had to add water to my pool. An hour and 45 minutes of running water into a swimming pool. Now, that's no crime But imagine how many precious people could have had a nice shower, quenched their thirst, or just enjoyed the soothing babble of running water. I bet these people don't know the soothing babble of a brook. And as average as my existence is in these fabulous states we call the United States of America, there are millions of people who would gladly trade places with me. I'll be making an additional donation this coming week. The picture is in my mind of hungry, thirsty people devouring filthy water out of necessity, haunts me. So, Mike, what's your next project for us? (laughs) Well, I want to tell you about the next project. Um, But first, I want to wrap up this first one. First of all, uh, if you participated this week and and you brought your money today that you saved, uh, just drop it in the jars uh, outside, kind of over and above gift uh, in those jars out there. You can do cash. You can do check. If it's check, just make it out to Rocky Peak, and we'll, we'll kind of put it all together. And they're going to send it to Living Waters International so they can uh, kind of work on wells in Ethiopia, which is one of our areas that we, we're kind of focusing on as a church. And so that's good. If you were not here last week and you would like to participate and you're kind of bummed about that, uh, you, you can do that. Um, you can this week, uh, just, what you do is just, you just go, you just only drink water this week. Whatever money you save on beverages, uh, whether, whether buying them out or in your home, you just kind of collect that money and bring it in. We'll have the jars out next week as, as well. Um, now, um, uh, let me tell you about the next challenge. This next challenge is going to be uh, uh, very different. 
Uh, last week, we focused on, on, on water for the poor. This week, we want to focus on food for the poor. And whereas last week, the focus was on overseas and third world, uh, this, con- this, this time it's going to be focused on L.A. right here in our backyard, right? And so um, what we're going to be doing, the challenge that we're going to be doing this week, uh, some of you have done before, though, to probably take on new meaning in light of this, this series. And, and for, this, for this challenge, we're partnering with a great organization a lot of you are familiar with, you've served at, you've given to, or whatever. It's, it's an international organization, Christian organization, that's based right here in the San Fernando Valley, and it's called the Children's Hunger Fund. And so we, we support them as a church, and a lot of you support them individually. And so what, what they do is they provide food and medicine for people around the world, but they also do it here in the States. And so uh, we're going to be collecting food for them, and I'm going to tell you exactly how we're going to do that uh, in, in a couple minutes. But the beautiful thing about Children's Hunger Fund is they don't just give food to the poor, but they always distribute it through local churches. So a church has to be trained to do this, and then once they're trained, they can become a supplier. And so what happens is they give their food to the church. The church gives it to the poor in their community. And what this does, it not only meets the needs of the poor, but it establishes a relationship with Christ's followers, with a church in their area. And so as these people become spiritually aware and hungry, if they want to pursue Jesus, there's a natural connection there. They can come and learn about him. So it's a fantastic ministry. I'm going to tell you more about it in just a minute. But right now I want to cut to the screen just to give you a, a kind of a, a, an idea of how this works in our own area. Okay, so here's your challenge this week. Should you choose to accept it? Uh, some of you have done this before. Um, we're, we're excited to be doing it again. Uh, so here, here's what we do. Um, this next week, what I'm going to ask you to do is when you, when you leave today, there's going to be um, outside in the patio, there's going to be these boxes. And you can see kind of the size of the box, and they're called the food pack. And, and inside the box, there's a flap here. And in your box, unlike my box, there will be one of these. And... Um, and what it is, is the kind of instructions of, of how, to, how to fill this box with food. And you see the size, it's not, not real big, but uh, it's got a list of things here to, to buy, a couple of canned meat products, uh, uh, a box of rice, a box of uh, uh, pinto beans, uh, some pasta, and so on. There's like eight or ten items in here, right? And so what you do is just kind of take this to the store uh, or, you know, uh, go to the store with your list. You, you uh, buy the stuff. You come back. You pack it up. You also include like a $5 check to Children's Hunger Fund. And then you just kind of, there's a, a slot in here. You put it. It explains how to do it. And you just bring it back next weekend, all right? And so, so our, our challenge this week, last week, was, was uh, water for the poor. This means food for the poor. Small step in the right direction. Now, so you may want to do uh, one box. You may want to do multiple boxes. That's up, up to you, okay? But it's, uh, it's just kind of a great step. And again, uh, these steps, let's, let's kind of remind, remind ourselves, these, these aren't going to change the world. They're not gonna, it's not going to change our whole world. What, what we're doing is we're taking small steps in the right direction to help meet needs of poor, but also to help change our heart in the process that so we would begin to, to change our paradigm by taking action. And so what I'm encouraging you is this week that, that as you get the box, uh, as you go to the store, as you buy the things, uh, when you get done, that you would pray over these boxes. You pray for the family that's going to receive them. Uh, you pray for our church and our heart for the poor. You pray for our parent. And there's some great scripture verses in this little pamphlet on the poor. Maybe you study those as a, as a family. We will be advertising this to all the, the student and children's ministries this weekend, so your kids will be prepared for this. What a great thing to do as a family, all right? So, so just a small step, but it's our challenge for this week. So, so you ready for this? Yeah. All right, okay, let's pray. 
Father, thank you so much for, uh, for what you're doing here at our church. And God, we would just pray that you would give us your heart, that, that our paradigm would shift, that we would recapture this part of our paradigm, that, that a one who, who follows you is not someone who just believes in you, who loves your word, who pursues fellowship, who uh, studies and spends time with you, who serves and who gives percentage giving and project giving, but, but that our paradigm would shift and that you would see that we're here to love those both inside the body and out who are going through hard times and that this would become part of our paradigm as a church and as, as Christ's followers. We pray this in your name. Amen. And God, that's the prayer of our heart today, that all creation would come back to you, that this creation would be reconciled to you. And that's why you died. To, to restore and to recreate. And God, we want to be part of that. And we know that to be part of that means that we have to become like you. That, that we would love as you love. That though you were rich, you became poor so that we through our po- your poverty might become rich. And so God, we, we pray that, that we would become this kind of person that you are. A person that sees needs and meets needs because of the love in our heart that we would love you passionately, we would love others compassionately. And so, God, we pray as we take these small steps, as we take steps in the right direction this week, as we, as we buy food for the poor, that, God, that you would remind us how fortunate we are and that you would create a heart for those who, through no fault of their own, are not able to provide the food they need and, and that you would give us a heart to, food, to feed the hungry, God, tear down these walls. We pray that all creation might come back to you and that we would be part of it as a church and that we would be known as a church that truly loves people and it really helps in times of need. It's not just talk. And so we pray this will be an important step, next step uh, in the right direction in our journey. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So may the Lord be with you this week and may he continue to create in your heart and our heart as a church a new paradigm of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, one that that doesn't leave behind all the things that we've learned to this day, but that we would, we would add to it this, this new piece of love for the poor. And just don't forget, if you get those boxes this week, fill them up, and then we'd like them back next weekend, all right? So you got one week, one week to bring them back, okay? God bless, and we'll see you next weekend. Hey, by the way, next weekend I will announce to you how much money comes in through the, the water fund. So don't forget to drop your, uh, your water checks out there as you way, on your way out. See you. God bless. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.